Amen. Good morning, church. Whether you're in the room or online, you are welcome here. You are always welcome in the house of God. Amen. Amen. You know, we are intentional about helping you. And so on your seats, if you're in the room, you will notice you have been given um, a, a leaflet to be able to take notes on and a pen. You are well equipped to write down today all that God is going to say to you. Big thank you to the worship team for what they've brought this morning. Always full of truth. Are you ready for a blessing this morning? Are you ready to grow Absolutely. in God? Because we never come to a point where we have fully grown and where we have grown enough. Okay, if you ever feel like you have grown enough, the reality is you haven't grown enough. All right, there is always more. If you feel that you have grown enough, I would say there's way more growth because you actually think you've grown enough. And then you don't understand that there's always more in God. I, until I take my last breath, I'm going to continue to grow in God. I'm going to have a posture and a stance to grow and receive and understand I am not the finished article. Amen? So the other week we talked about being a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple. We talked about from giving to living. So the difference between giving your life to Jesus and living your life for Jesus. To live your life intentional of his ways. To live your life in close proximity of him. To follow God's ways for our, our life. It's different to just giving your life to living your life. And so if you remember when Jesus first called the disciples, he called the ones that really, they were unqualified in man's eyes. You know, they were a right rum bunch, apart from one that had a bit of royal blood. And he was probably thought, oh, he'd have probably made a good disciple. But the rest of them, they didn't have anything else other than a willingness to follow Jesus. And the willingness to follow Jesus is what changed everything. And it started out with Jesus just walking along the shores and saying, put your nets down and follow me. Get out your boat and follow me. And I talked about how the disciples didn't try and carry everything with them as a fallback plan to following Jesus. Because if they'd taken the boat and they'd taken the dad with them and they'd taken the fishing nets with them and they tried to tidy up the stations before they left, they were carrying a huge load of baggage that would always come in between them and Jesus. Because when we trust him com completely and explicitly, we are followers of Jesus. We choose to leave behind the things that would be, be barriers and the things that we would carry. And I want to continue with that today. And the title of my message today is To Be Continued. That's not because I'm carrying on from the other week. That is because our lives are designed to continue. Okay, so giving our lives, living our lives. Our Christian life is not a tick box exercise. Sometimes I've treated my walk with Jesus as a tick box exercise. I've prayed today, tick. I've read my Bible today, tick. I've, I don't know, told someone about Jesus this week, tick. It's not a tick box exercise. It's a living thing that goes on every single day. It's relational. And our whole life, until we take our last breath, has written over it to be continued, both on this earth and in heaven. If we've made our choice to follow Jesus, if we've given our lives to Jesus, our destination is sorted. 
But something goes on between here and there. And written over our lives is to be continued. There is always more. There is always more to learn. There is always more to grow in. We are never going to get to a place where we're going to continue living a life and remain the same this side of eternity unless we choose to. And if we choose to live our life just the same way, what will actually happen is you won't remain the same. You will stagnate. You will lose vision. You will lose purpose. You will lose your joy. You will lose your peace. Because here's the thing, when a river runs and it's running fresh water, but you take some of that water and you leave it in a jar, it does not remain exactly the same. It may look like that for a while. Our Charlotte had a fish. She managed to keep this fish alive for two years until we forgot to clean the fish. Not the actual fish, the water that it was in. And one day we suddenly realized, oh, look at the tank. And the tank was green and the fish was dead. But when we first put the water in, that's not how the water looked. But because we left it stood something and sta- somewhere and stagnant, and that's the thing for you and for me, if we just go, okay, like, isn't it amazing? We've given our lives to Jesus. Destination's heaven. That's amazing. I've cho- chosen to follow Jesus. I'm in the kids' ministry. I'm doing worship. I turn up to church every Sunday, whatever it is, and then you go, I've done it. That's going to look great for a time on you. But it's going to start getting smelly. Because you will become stagnant and you will lose your joy and you will lose your peace. And without vision, you will perish and you won't have any vision any longer because you're just going to stay in this tank with this water and this way of life because you feel like you've done it. There is more for you. There is more for you. So we're not looking at a tick box exercise. We aren't looking at the fact that we ever arrive on this earth. We're looking that there's always more. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more. So it doesn't say makes us like him. It says makes us more and more like him. Some translations say from glory to glory. It is a continual thing that happens this side of eternity. We become more and more and more and more like him if we allow the spirit to move in us. And if we allow the spirit to move in us and we have a desire to follow Jesus and to follow God's ways and to follow the word of God, we will remain fresh like a fresh river that runs through. But the minute we allow that to stop, We become stagnant. It says here it makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Amen? Amen? But to do that, we've got to keep moving. We've got to keep looking at things. So today I'm going to look at a key area, and this isn't an area that we're going to look at today and you're never going to need to look at again. This is something that you will continually need to look at. I have continually looked at this, trying to do math in my head, for the last 22 years, right? And I say that because it was 22 years again when I committed to follow Jesus, to follow, to live his ways and to follow his word. Let me just grab one of these. 
I got up with one of these once and Barry actually thought I was going to hula hoop. I'll never forget the look on his face. And then, do you remember, it was a few years ago and I just went, shall I do it? And he's going, like that on the front row. Because Barry actually knows I have no coordination whatsoever. I would have made an absolute fool of myself. Is there a little green one down there? So this is what I want to talk about today. Who is in and what is in your inner circle? Who and what do you have close to you? Because the things you have close to you and the people you have close to you are going to impact how you are walking out your Christian life. And sometimes we don't look at this, at who's in clock's close proximity, clock's primitive nearly call it, who's in close proximity or what's in close proximity. And then we wonder why we're exhausted. We wonder why we feel spiritually dry. We wonder why everybody else is getting blessed and I'm not getting blessed. And we miss the fact that we are filling our inner circle full of stuff that is not life-giving. It's not life-giving. We're allowing things to live in here and not surrendering it to God. We're allowing fear to live in here. We're allowing addiction to live in here. We're allowing gossip to live in Oh, I'm just going to stop there. That's not even in my notes, but I think we just linger for a moment on this one. Gossip is as toxic as some of the most toxic things that you would think about and say that you would never do as a Christian. Gossip and hearsay and grumbling behind people's backs is toxic. And you see what happens is, if that is in our inner circle and we are allowing that to live in there, be it us or other people who do it and are feeding it to us, it will cause you to become stale. It will cause you to become weary. It will cause you to become tired. You see, when I gave my life to Jesus, and I, I gave my life to Jesus as a little girl, and I was brought up in the church in an amazing Christian home, I was truly, truly blessed with the home I was raised in. And then at the age of 16, and if there's any young people in this room, do not follow my example because it is the worst thing I ever did. I got this crazy thought in my head that I could live life better than God made it for me. And I went on a journey and I did all kinds of things. I got involved in all kinds of things. And I don't live in regret because I don't believe to live in regret. But if there is an area I would erase, it would be that. When I came back to Jesus and I said, I'm giving you my life 100%, I looked at what was in my inner circle. And I had to intentionally move people out of it. And I had to intentionally move some things out of it. I had to move environments out of it where I would hang out. I had to move uh, people that were inputting and speaking into my life. I had to move some things I was doing, some behaviors out of that inner circle. Because while it remained there, it would feed me and I would feed from it. And so to make this a little bit easier, I've done a diagram. I think Barry's going to be really proud of me for this. I've done a diagram. Okay, so I think that looks a bit blurred, but I've not got my glasses on, so I'm hoping it's all clear for you. Okay, so you've all got your, your papers on your, on your um, chair. 
I want you to see your life like this. And this is something that you can do now or it's something you can do when you get home. At the center is you and God. Okay, that's you. You're tight, right? And if you're not tight, you can get tight. (laughs) As simple as that. I can't do it for you. That's you and God coming to God and surrendering to him. And then outside of that is your inner circle. So in this inner circle, this is a bit of like when you take your car for an MOT this morning, okay? In that inner circle, who do you currently have in your inner circle? What do you currently have in your inner circle? Because your inner circle will impact you. It's the closest thing to your life, okay? And what you have in there will have, some of it will have your heart, it will have your ear, it will have your emotions, That inner circle there will have an agenda. Now, if you've placed the right things in that inner circle, so in that inner circle, if I have placed in there spending time with God, that is a good agenda for my life. If I have placed in there maybe somebody who is a very critical person, who gossips, who maybe pulls me down, maybe feels worthless, that is an agenda that I am placing close to me that is going to affect me. Does this make sense? So your inner circle isn't just about people, it's about things, it's about behaviors, it's about those things where you're like, I know I shouldn't be doing that anymore, but you're keeping them in there. Now, it's not just about removing things from your inner circle, it's about putting things into your inner circle as well. Who do you have in your inner circle that is building you up in the ways of God I'm on about? Because there are a lot of things out there that have tried to hijack Godly things, right? So I see a lot of stuff, different religions, new age stuff. And and what they've done is they have hijacked things that are actually of God. And they have masked themselves as light, but they aren't light. Because when they talk about Jesus, they don't talk about him him being the savior of the world. They'll talk about, about him being a spiritual being, or a spiritual man, but they don't talk about him being the saviour of the world. So if in that inner circle, that's the kind of thing you've got close to you, those alternative spiritual things, then that is going to affect you. But if you, in that inner circle, have the things of God in there, and people who are, going to, who are Christians, who are going to speak into your life, if that inner circle, you have Sundays with the family of God, in there, that's going to impact you. If there you have your midweek, what has been life groups, which were just changing at the moment, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, but if that's in there where you're meeting with other believers, that's going to impact you. If it's not there, pop it in. Dead simple, pop it in. So when I gave my life to the Lord completely, I did this, not quite like this, but And I was like, okay, so, because you didn't have mobile phones or gadgets then, but I had a calendar. And anyone who knows me loves, I love a bit of organization. So it'd be no surprise, I had a calendar on my bedroom wall, and I wrote on it, there was a Tuesday night prayer meeting. I felt a bit uncomfortable going to it, if I'm honest with you, but I wrote on it, prayer meeting. And then I went and helped at the kids' club for an hour and a half, and my job was to time the minute game. But I was like, that's a good environment for me to be in. I'm only trusted with one minute. The other 89 minutes, I'm not allowed to be involved in. But that, I'm going to stay for the other 89. 
because I'm going to be in a good environment. And so I on my calendar put Sunday mornings, that's a non-negotiable. Tuesdays, that's a non-negotiable. Fridays, that's a non-negotiable. And because I've moved away from some um, life situations and some environments that aren't good, I know that I'm going to have quite a lot of free time and I know the enemy is going to try and come in and get me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start visiting Christians I'm going to go and start having coffee with Christians. I'm going to make sure that in my inner circle outside of me and God is wholesome stuff. There's good stuff. In that inner circle, if there's anything in it or people in it that you think God would not choose this for me, God would not class this as wholesome and edifying, then there's a little shift around that needs to happen and put some stuff in it that is. I remember, this is before, I, 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 this is when I was in my naughty years. I remember this lad breaking my heart. He broke my heart. I was in a right mess. I remember going into my mum. She was in bed. My mum, pastor, godly, loving, wonderful. She's going to pray for me. Yeah? I said, can you pray he takes me back? She went, nope, I will not. She said, because it's not God's best for you. Because she knew as my mom that actually to have that around me, even though at that point I'd not even surrendered to God, that was a bad thing. And I'm so thankful to have someone in my life and to have people in my life now who will speak truth to me and who'll say to me, Vicky, that's not good for you. That behavior, that's not good for you. Come on, let's move things around. That inner circle is going to impact you and it will have your ear, it will have your heart and it'll have your emotions. Then we've got the third circle. This is your outer circle. In this place for me, I have some people that I meet with occasionally for coffee or there might be some things that I will do occasionally because I know to do them all the time is not a good thing. To be with that person all the time is not a good thing. However, I want to reach them for Christ. So I still see them, but I don't have them around me speaking into my life. Okay? So that's your outer circle because we still need to reach people for Jesus. We still need to have outreach and still need to have evangelism. But you need to be careful that those people are not speaking into your life. And then out of the outer circle, no entry. There's just some people. They shouldn't even make it in your outer circle. I have some people, I am like, "Uh uh-uh, no entry. The barrier is down. These people are just not for my life. This behavior is not for my life. Because you see, even with behaviors, if I have a behavior or a way of life or a habit and it's my go-to when I'm stressed or it's my go-to for my emotions or it's my go-to, here's what happens. It takes me away from Jesus being my go-to. It takes me away from the word of God being where brings me the calm in the storm because I have a go-to that I go to in Psalm let me just read this to you. In Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Meditating. Meditating is not wrong. Meditating on some things are wrong. Meditating on the word of God is not wrong. That's what we're to be meditating, the word of God and who he is and his ways. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper 
in all they do. You know, we have an enemy who loves to set traps. And if we can just have that diagram up, he is more than ready to fill your inner circle with things. He'll help you out, no problem. If you're stuck for what to put in that inner circle, the thing that is closest to you, he's there ready to help. He's wearing a t-shirt. How can I help you? And he has got piles of stuff in that storeroom to bring out and say, put this in your inner circle and put that in your inner circle. But everything that you have surrounding you, you need to measure it up to God and say, is this something that God would place here for me? Is this wholesome? Is this pure? 1 Peter 5 8, verse 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone to devour. That's his, that's his agenda. It's his mission. It's his vision. But if we have surrounded ourselves with goodness and wholesome things and making sure that we're around godly people and making sure we get into the word of God, making sure we go and ask godly advice. When we have that surrounding us, we are built up. There's been a phrase, it's it's not a very nice phrase, but it's been going round in my head all week. And it's this dancing with the devil. It's a horrible phrase. I'm like, why am I thinking this phrase, dancing with the devil? But the more I thought about it, you see, as a Christian, I'd go, I'll never do that. I'm a follower of Jesus. I am a disciple. I am never going to dance with the devil. But then I started to think a little bit more. And when I start to follow through on behaviors, follow through on habits, mix with the wrong people, enter into relationships with non-Christians. The minute I start to do things that are not wholesome, that are not godly, maybe, just maybe, I'm dancing with the devil. Because there's one or the other. Maybe, just maybe, I'm dancing with the devil. Maybe I'm not living with him, I'm just flirting with him. And when I started to think of it that way, I was like, well, if I'm not following God's ways, then what am I doing? If I'm not following God's ways, I'm dancing with the devil and his ways. I'm giving time for his ways rather than giving time for God's ways. So then am I fooling around with him? That's left in a great big quiet and I'm cool with that. Because I think that's maybe something we need to digest a little bit. Are we dating him? We're just letting him in the back door. Because as a Christian, I would say, I would never dance with the devil. Maybe I'm dancing with his ways when I'm not dancing with the Lord's ways and following the Lord's ways. I'm just going to read a story. I, I, I love the book of Kings, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, read them. They have incredible, incredible stories in them. I was reading Kings recently and I was like, you know, people go for different books. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with reading books. But I'm like, this is just like, this is an incredible 
novel that we're reading. You know, you would go and buy something like this off the shelf at W.H. Smith's or Waterstones if it's still open. I don't even know whether that's still open. But, but these, the, the whole Bible is full of stories. But this in Two Kings is amazing. Elisha now returned to Gilgal and there was a famine in the land. One day as the group of prophets were seated before him, he said to his servant, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. So they're in a famine. And Elisha's saying to the servant, make some stew. So there's actually a lack in the land. It's not even like there's a, a, a huge abundance. There's not a bountiful supply of things. There's a lack. But he's saying to him, put on a pot of stew because he's, he's wanting to feed the people that are there, this godly gathering. One of the young men went out into the field to gather herbs and came back with a pocket full of wild gourds. He shredded them and put them into the pot without realizing they were poisonous. Some of the stew was served to the men, but after they had eaten a bite or two, they cried out, man of God, there is poison in the stew. Some translations say there is death in the pot. So they cried out and raised the alarm so they would not eat it. Elisha said, bring me some flour. Then he threw it into the pot and said, now it's all right, go ahead and eat. And then it did not harm them. You know, when looking at these diagrams and looking at our own lives of me and God, then the people and the ways that are going to impact me and have my heart and have my emotions, looking and making sure they're wholesome, the things that God would place in there, moving some stuff out of that into the outer circle maybe or into this that there's absolutely no entry for you that shouldn't even be in there moving the right stuff in in doing all of that I don't want any of you to feel condemned because you had some stuff in there that shouldn't be there I don't want you to feel like well I've absolutely failed because I've been doing this because I've been doing that because the young man that went out and picked the poisonous gourds and he put them into the stew, he didn't actually realize when he did that that there was a problem with them. He didn't realize that they were going to poison the stew. He just picked them up. They're actually called wild. He just picked them up. There was a famine in the land. He gathered what he could. He put it into the stew. But the important thing here is you didn't find him beating himself up. It's certainly not been documented here that he beat himself up. That he was like, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did this. There's nowhere that he got defensive when somebody, someone godly raised the alarm that there was something not quite right. He didn't become all about him. And so what I want to say to you, this is it's okay to not always get it right. Or know quite what you're doing. But the gathering of the people, being in that godly environment, there are people here that will help you grow. There are people in the church that will help you grow. There are people in the body of Christ that will help you go grow. There are some people that will, will say to you, hey, listen, this is poison in the pot. There's death in the pot. This that you're doing, this isn't the best thing for you. And when that happens, don't become defensive because if we live loving like we should be loving, 
then we are looking out for each other. And so I want to speak to young Christians in here. Don't beat yourself up when you get it wrong. Don't feel like you're on the outside of stuff because you don't quite understand how to live in, in a godly way. It's a whole new thing to you. You're a brand new baby Christian. What I want to say to you is make sure that you are surrounded with the people of God. Make sure that you are in godly groups. Make sure that you have people in the church who you can trust, that you know are godly, that are following godly ways, and that can advise you and speak into your life. He placed in the pot without realizing. I feel for some people, there's some stuff in your life you don't even realize it's there. But if somebody godly comes and advises you with the word of God, be able to receive it. Go to God and pray about it. Don't become defensive. Go to God. This is really on my heart for for one person. I don't know, maybe more. You don't just take what somebody says. You'll receive it, but you take it to God and you pray on it. But if somebody comes and gives you some godly advice that you know has come from a heart of love and guiding you in your walk, don't become defensive. It's okay that sometimes we've got things in our life that we don't always realize until it gets flagged up. Next group of people, don't be afraid to sound the alarm. I think we live in a very hypersensitive society. I know when I was younger, my mum and dad didn't like tiptoe around me, scared of offending me. Oh, you heard what she said when she wouldn't even pray for me when I was heartbroken. But I feel like we live in a hypersensitive society that can infiltrate speaking out the truth of God's word. I believe we need to be bold enough to sound the alarm, like the prophets here when one went, there's poison in the pot, there's poison in the stew, there's death in the pot, whatever it was. If he hadn't raised the alarm, there would have been a fatality. And we need to be aware that the enemy is coming in in all different kinds of ways, but we need to, in love, raise the alarm. If we know somebody is about to, there's a fatality going to happen, then we need to raise the alarm and bring in the the ways of God. James chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings a sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. That doesn't mean it is a free-for-all to go and criticize and judge people. But it does mean that when we're walking with God and we are relying on the Holy Spirit and something comes to us to go and say to somebody, hey, listen, there's a better way. There's a better way. That thing that you're doing, there's a better way. That thing that you're doing, it's not in line with what the Bible's saying. Can I show you what the truth is? Don't be afraid to sound the alarm. Worship team, you can start to take your places. Last one. If you have godly, I'm going to say that again. If you have godly wisdom and insight for a situation, give it. But please don't give your opinion. There are so many people in the outer circle and in the no entry that can give you an opinion. 
If you have godly wisdom and godly insight and godly solutions and godly ways, give it. We have the young man who brought in the wild gourds. We have the room of believers, the room of the godly environment. They raised the alarm. And then we had Elisha who brought the solution. This is why the family of God and the house of God is so important. Because the young ones, spiritually, I'm not just meaning age, the young ones will grow with the older ones. And then you've got the people who are the watchmen and they're looking out over the people in the church and they're going, I'm just going to raise the alarm there over your life and I'm not quite sure what the solution is, but hey, why don't we go and talk to such and such a person? They can help you. The young person who made the mistake, the group of prophets and Elisha were all in the same room. And together they made up the whole. And out of it came something incredibly wholesome. Because they sat together and they ate. And they ate out the goodness of what Elisha had brought. And they still ate because of what the young one had gone and done. But when the alarm came, the young one didn't fight it. Someone sounded the alarm and someone brought the solution. And to finish, I want to say to you, be in the house of God. Surround yourself with the family of God. Do you know that the church is God's design? (laughs) He designed it. I can't wait to get to church. Like, you probably think, oh, she rocks up because she's the pastor. I can't wait to get to church. I, I can't. I can't wait to be around all of you. There's something contagious about being in this environment. There's something something contagious about being with other Christians. You lot draw me. There's something about you all. You draw me. I love you. And God designed church for us to be together. So remember, there was the young one who made the mistake, brought something not great to the table. We bear with each other. Then there was the group of believers in the room. They sounded the alarm. And then there was Elisha that brought the solution. Is there any poison in your pot today? Check out that inner circle. Weigh it up. Is this something God would place there? If not, move it out. Move something back in. Something that's godly. Something that's wholesome. And make sure that as the group of believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we are moving together in the same direction. Amen.